1: Welcome to Cobras and Fire, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network. This week, we break the record with 1992's feel-good album of the year, Alice in Chains' Dirt. No
2: Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My name is Baco, and I am joined by the soiled Loose Cannon. How are you this evening, Loose?
1: I am grimy, grubby, filthy, mucky, unwashed, and greasy as always, Baco. Glad to talk to you. How are you, sir?
2: I, I feel like you have a laptop in front of you with uh, synonyms for dirt.
1: Nope. I just could can, can rip these off. Off the cuff is all our stuff is impromptu, improv, genius. But You are that good. I
2: you am. You are that good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always right know. You ask me 10 words that are similar to another word, and I will usually tell you uh, in person to give me about 10 seconds as I look it up in Google and get back to you.
2: <laughs> yeah. You're like that guy who calls into a radio station with like a, like a, the, the trivia question, like and they go, uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. for a very long time well, their buddies like fucking typing it in and uh well how are you man I, I I haven't talked to you since we uh wrapped recording the last episode about five
1: minutes ago <laughs> don't let look behind the curtain Baco. i thought that was your rule oh you're
2: right uh, uh what do you got theater of the imagination uh, uh sorry uh I, I i don't know where i was going there so well, before we get into the episode, we do have uh, a beer today from what I think is kind of a surprise contributor. Would you like to uh, break down where uh, today's beer
1: came from and then what it is? Sure. So I have the GoFundMe app on my phone, so I get alerted immediately when somebody uh, <laughs> con- con- contributes a beer, and you know, it'll tell me something like last time it'll say it contributed from Matt Porter. Well, this time it was very intriguing because it said it was contributed five bucks. For beer from Jackson Galaxy, Ooh, which I the immediately... Jackson Galaxy. Well, i uh, obviously that's some kind of like username or whatever or whatever. You don't know who Jackson um, Galaxy is? No, I'm guessing it's like the 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 working title for Luke Skywalker. And
2: you hey, do me a favor. I, the the listeners might enjoy this. The two of them know who he is. Why don't you do a quick Google search for us while we record here and pull up Jackson Galaxy?
1: All right. Is this going to be a porn star or something? Let me look here. I, don't I just think you should know. All right. It looks like a guy that definitely works a lot with his facial hair. <laughs> um, a lot of sections that are has beard and then not beard. Uh, okay. His, it says, Jackson Galaxy is a cat behaviorist and, <laughs> and the host of the television show, My Cat from Hell. He is he has, has fifty five years old. He is six two. His full name is actually Richard Kirshner. Uh and uh, yeah, his spouse is Manu Raybar. Let's see if she's uh, she just looks like a check. All right. Well, what 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 do you does this a show you watch or something?
2: Uh, if I if your name was Richard Kirshner, wouldn't you change it to Jackson
1: <laughs> Galaxy? Yeah, but that's but but Jackson Galaxy does sound uh, a little ridiculous.
2: I've definitely seen the show. Uh, I I don't know when it's on specifically. I think it's an animal Animal Planet show, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it it, uh, it uh, it's a bit of a good hurt. Uh, I love the beginning though. Like um uh, uh, like when they like kind of do the credits and they show him, it's like musician by night, cat behaviorologist by day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what did uh, uh so what is it, I, I, I imagine this guy like plucking the bass while while uh behaving you know, he's pretending with, with to cats. play an
2: acoustic guitar boody, boody, to an boody, empty boody, boody, bar while they, boody, they, boody, they, boody. They, they, they they say that thing so no he oh, okay. has a guitar case filled with cat toys that he brings to everybody's home. <laughs> Is that his move? That's his move. He's got treats in there. He's got little fluffy things, little fake mice, all sorts of stuff to keep any kind of uh, cat from hell busy. Yeah, and he basically, he turns your cat from hell into the lap cat from awesome land. Uh, Yeah, so I'll I'll tell you this. uh, I I think I might actually be a cat behaviorologist, uh, but I I don't know it because all my cat, every
1: cat I've ever met thinks I'm the greatest, so. My god, I got to just tell you that that you know, this is, you know, we're starting to get a little bit of fame here. We're having $5 <laughs> contributed from cat behaviorists. What I'm looking, what I'm looking for though in the future is when I see a little GoFundMe for $5 from Eddie Truck. Oh man, well, you know we we have hit, made it then. At that
2: well, point, you could just basically walk in, go anywhere, and you look at a girl and go, "You over here, suck it."
1: <laughs> that's right. Eddie, Eddie Trunk, Trunk, five bucks.
2: <laughs> I split five bucks from Eddie Trunk with a guy in Colorado.
1: Yeah. Now you listen, want
2: some, don't you? <laughs>
1: 250 uh. from, Eddie, from Eddie Trunk. I'm sorry. It's, it's actually
2: 251
1: to you, 249 to me. <laughs> the, reason, the reason being is the fact that we know you're listening, Eddie. We just want the GoFundMe contribution.
2: Yeah, please, come on, Eddie.
1: Come on. It's only five, five bucks. bucks. So then we
2: can say you five did bucks. something for us. Why don't we get back to what did Jackson Galaxy buy us for a beer?
1: He bought what a cat behaviorist would do, (laughs) and, and that is the most generic thing we've got so far, and that is the original light Pilsner Miller Light. Which, it's interesting that uh, the last time I had Miller Lite, well, no, that's not true, but I like the fact that it has the retro label. When did they start that? About four years ago?
2: No idea. I don't care.
1: (laughs) Okay, then. Anyway, I'm not sure if you know anything about Miller Lite, but it's... um, It's spelled wrong. That's right. It's definitely not a fine Pilsner beer. Uh, I I mean, I've drank my fair share of these things in in my lifetime, but... uh... Just so you know, the secret is Miller Lite's special triple hops brewing recipe, Mm. which apparently the secret is to make it extremely bland, (laughs) but uh, also it's, it's from Choice Hops from the Pacific Northwest, as well as Noble says, I like how they try to sexy this up now. Um, The Noble Saz Hops, S-A-A-Z, which I've never heard of before because nobody else uses them except for Miller Lite, and deliver more taste, aroma, and color with just 96 calories. So do you want to consume these 96 calories together?
2: Well, I would like to comment a little bit on the culture of Miller Lite, if that's okay.
1: Sure, please Uh, do. If you are drinking – if you find yourself consuming the Miller
2: Lite – there is a 0001 percent chance you got it through a GoFundMe buy me a beer app
1: what about what what about also if you have a Miller Light there's probably one guy in your crew that is gonna slam the top of it on top of yours so it over foams in the top
0: what
1: do you think? how about
2: if you're if you're if you're holding a Miller light you're probably standing next to somebody who's choked a stripper <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a little extreme. I think that's more of a chorus light move. But, uh, hey, oh, is, easy now, silver bullet, made.
2: baby. Good, good enough for Dimebag, bag. Good enough for everybody. Uh, well, the weird thing is when I, right after I uh, uh, I opened my can, John Madden came in here and started yelling at me.
1: <laughs> What's amazing the fact that that he got there so quick since he only travels by bus, <laughs> by RV.
2: I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, get it right, dipshit. <laughs> get yeah, your yeah, head out yeah. of your ass, Loose Cannon. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, enjoy. Thank you, Jackson. Okay, you want to get into it? Let's get into it. Alice and Chains. Alice and, huh? Alice and Chains, sorry. Yeah, you, yep. you give me all of this David Lee Roth crap. Alice and Chains, you jackass. Alice and
1: Chains. Alice all right, Paco, it's time for another episode of Breaking the Record, where we cover Alice in Chains' Dirt. Right on. Um, you know, I would like to say one thing. Actually,
2: no joke, a little bit serious right off the bat. There is no chance that we aren't going to be talking about drugs during this episode. And, of course, we are want to kind of crack and make little, little one-liners here and there. I just want to make one thing perfectly clear. That uh, you know, drug addiction is pretty serious. It is an addiction, and it is something that we're not trying to make light of as we go through this. Uh, we're, we're having fun with this record. We're going to do what we normally do, but just this seems like an area that might be kind of sensitive to some people, and understandably so. But please, uh, just uh, enjoy it for what it is. For what we do, we're not actually trying to to minimize the uh, the struggles that people that that do deal with this stuff. Because this record is basically about fucking shooting heroin into your
1: veins. Well, I'm not sure what kind of material you had prepared. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> what the f- fucking kind of dark asshole are you? <laughs> <laughs> and it begins. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's get into it, man. What do you got? All right. So I, I figured, um, I don't know if you want to go first or anything, but I kind of want- wanted to find out a little bit about your history with the band when you when you first uh, ran into them, sure. Were aware of them, things like that. You want to start with that? Yeah. You want me to go first? Or do you want to go? No. You You can go.
2: You know, I, I think um, I definitely knew of them before this, but they they really kind of broke with uh, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, even though the, the, the Facelift record came out about a year prior. But they were the opening act on the Clash of the Titans tour with uh, Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth. And uh, they were great. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I had heard Man in the Box a little bit, and th- for whatever reason that song just didn't click with me until i actually sat down and and listened to it which was quite some time after it and pretty much from that point on i was hooked uh uh lane staley's voice the guitar tone um uh the rhythm playing of jerry cantrell and by the way he's a great lead player too uh and he knows how to 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 accompany a song you know basically from front to beginning Yeah. uh, he he's one of my favorite guitar players, definitely of that era. That that's for sure. But the whole package. It, it, the weird thing I will tell you about Allison Chains is like, visually on almost every level, they didn't uh, connect with me. I, I think their logo sucks. Uh, I think almost all their album art is kind of like unappealing. Uh, their personal images, like like the way they, they like like Jerry is very boring looking. Lane can be kind <laughs> of kind of a. Uh, I don't know, unsettling to look at. Depending on what phase of of lane you're catching, Mike Starr was always a cool looking guy, and the drummer just always looked like a, a drummer. But uh, uh, that's. But it was always about the music with this band with me, and they they definitely connected. Once I got a chance to, once I got over that hurdle, that was like uh, I really didn't care for the now now until I you know got, got a chance to really break it down. And then, then I got kind of hooked, and that, that first record's great. Uh, we're obviously going to be talking about Dirt today, and and I'll, and I'll save my kind of synopsis of this record uh, for a little bit, but uh, just just a great band with a very short uh, lifespan. It's, it's unfortunate. I, I mean, I know they're still going today, but we're talking about the, the original kind of crew.
1: How about you? Similar, where I didn't see him in 1990 like you did, but... Um, I had facelift about within a couple weeks of owning Skid Row, the debut album. Okay. Like, for whatever reason, I got that one later. And, and, uh, the reason I mentioned that is there really wasn't any, and I played those things like, like t- to death, whatever, whatever era, time that was. And I didn't see a drastic difference. Yes, there's a drastic difference between Alice in Chains and Skid Row, but I'm saying to me, it was just rock. There, this is before the whole, um, Idea of grunge even hit from the record labels. I do agree that to
2: a certain such. extent they were kind of pulled into the grunge scene, um, but their the, the way they approached songwriting, their their harmonies, um, and
1: their image everything
2: was different.
1: It was different. It was different. But to me, it wasn't anything different than listening to Metallica versus uh, Skid Row. Fair you know enough. I mean? It was just another Fair it was another enough. form of aggression and vocal. Yeah. Um, uh, style. Anyway, no, I, I I get what you're saying there, but my my point is is that <clears throat> I forgot the fact that I have seen Alice in Chains six times, three times with with Lane, and oh. I forgot the fact that they opened for Van Halen um, on the Fuck Tour, and I also saw them Plaza. I also saw them open for Kiss, and then three times without including the Northern Invasion last year with you. You saw them open so,
2: for Kiss. Well, did they only do like two or three shows?
1: That's it they I was actually gonna have Stone Temple see that the show that I saw was the third show of the Rena Tour in, in uh, Louisville. He was so drugged out and then they t- took another drugged out band to 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 uh, replace them. so I was able to see him a third time there with Lane. but my point I, the I, I watched Haley, a
2: video today of their last yeah. performance like as a band and that was opening for Kiss. I don't know if it was in Louisville or not, but Lane looked like horrible and the band was really out of sync.
1: No, no, they were not good that night. And then I said cuz I saw them um uh with Van Halen. They're great cuz that was on the facelift tour. Yeah. But my point is is like think of that though. They're paired with Van Halen, Mr., you know, a happy go lucky sure, yeah. kind of band if you want to think about it. But to me it didn't seem weird. You
2: know, we we just kind of wrapped up March Badness where we kind of dove into records that were kind of depressing and sad to listen to. So when we were talking about records, you know, I I was telling you I really wanted to do something that was just kind of an upbeat party rock anthem album. And uh, What did you come back at me with? Dirt. Come on. Hell yes,
1: baby. And, you know, I I, got to tell you, like the whole thing. I just have to do a quick rant. Is that okay? It's my show too, right? With yeah, 50-50? you know what?
2: You, you don't get enough rants. Get Give us one, baby.
1: You know, <laughs> I listen to a lot of music podcasts. And friends, the one thing that drives me batty is the constant conversation of bands that you love when they talk about the 1991-92 death Of what they, that the party was over. Oh, yes. Everything was done when this grunge stuff came in and killed everything. I We've said it before. I'm going to still stand up to it because I was like, do we do the Dirt album? Because maybe some people don't like grunge on this show. Because the man has perpetrated a lie that you've listened (laughs) to for your entire life. And that is that Nirvana came in with a fucking three dirty bean smelling bastards from seattle as you've said before and shot <laughs> hair metal dead what killed hair metal is fucking trickster <laughs> sleaze bees Wart, which i like uh coming out with an album called cherry pie okay if there wasn't a, a poster child that was a poster behind the receptionist at that music label that didn't represent the death of hair metal it was to come it's the cover for Cherry Pie think about that to begin with the cover is a picture of what like a a, a girl like a the roller skate like girl right yes is there is she on roller skates or not uh, just, uh, just, uh, just like it's it. a
2: little spunk material Bobby Brown uh, yeah. she uh, yeah she's on the cover and she's like she's, staring like she's got her tits out and there's a cherry pie parked right in front of her, her uh, uh, vagina. vagina.
1: Yeah, Right. And she looks very alert to the fact that it's there. I mean- Instead of calling it cherry pie, why didn't Warren have a cat falling down in the middle of of her that area and just call it pussy? Okay, uh, how about how about a a, a uh, what are those little chew toys <laughs> that you get from the pet store and it's just called squish? Okay, how,
2: how about like a uh a, like an axe falling down and you call it hatchet wounds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How about how about a uh, uh, a locker down there and it just says gut lock uh, gut locker
2: How about How about Kenny Rogers and a taco and you, it's called Bearded
1: Taco So Kenny Rogers has got to be there with his beard yeah, You need a beard. Why not why not why not the chute what about what about photoshopping the two guys from ZZ Top there on the That's side? That's
2: better. Yeah, the, Billy Gibbons in a taco, bearded taco.
1: <laughs> or or how about how about uh, that you add a little bit of pooch there and just call it Gunt? Oh, not
2: too far, bro.
1: Oh, that was too far.
2: Too uh, far, man.
1: My point is, there's an old. Tall I have tale. a
2: mother and a sister. You son of a bitch.
0: <laughs>
1: I have a daughter. she will never listen to this show. (laughs) Thank God. Uh, Yes. Now listen to me. There is a, there is a tall tale told by Jenny Lane, probably very drug addled. The cherry pie guy. Yeah, the cherry pie guy who's talking about, there was a day that he went to the record label and the receptionist used to have a poster, like I just said, of cherry pie behind her. First off, how the fuck is that in, 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 a, in a corporate environment? Welcome to Columbia Records. How can I help you? <laughs> it, pay no attention to the woman with the cherry yeah. pie in her vagina behind me. Totally cool with this behind me. Totally yeah. cool. And he says, I knew things had changed because I went in there. Apparently he likes hap- hanging out in the reception area <laughs> <laughs> in the story waiting for, for somebody to talk to him. Uh, and uh, th- it had been replaced with Allison Chains Dirt. Not Which not, is yet another poster you should not have
0: <laughs> behind a Another
2: kinda of, a much different way to uh inappropriately portray the female gender, but <laughs> Barry. I've heard the story from Janie before. The weird thing is I get his point. He's like, see, things change. Janie, there was a poster up there before your record came out that came down. Do you think once it went up, it's like that's gonna be there forever. Where's yeah, my I mean,
1: bottle of Mad Dog? My God! So enough about that. Allison Chains is nothing. Allison Chains and Soundgarden, in particular, are nothing but Tony Iommi worship, brought into the '90s and and channeled through Seattle.
2: I, I agree with that more more <laughs> with the, the the sludgy tempos and riffs, but they they definitely, I mean, in very different ways, attacked the guitar. In a way that really wasn't being done by anybody else, uh, yeah, and Alice and Chains was was you know they're almost d- like defined by the, the drop D tuning. Uh, where Soundgarden you know really experimented
1: with a lot of different tunings. Agreed, agreed. More Alice and Chains. A lot of layers
2: yes. and kind of odd tones. Um, but yeah, they definitely both come from that Black Sabbath root. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a you, you're you're not off base there.
1: Yeah, but the one thing I really respect about Allison Chains is they use the Indiana Jones template, and that is, for the for the first one. In comparison, you know, it's it's like it's like Raiders. It's a little bit light. It's a little bit more fun, and then they were really dark, just and, and much more superior with Temple of Doom, like for the sequel. Don't you agree? I think that's the worst analogy I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> facts
2: for us to share? Yeah, let's get into this real quick. Uh, Allison Chains Dirt was released on September 29th, 1992. If I remember correctly, Luz, that is your parents' uh, silver anniversary of the day they met at a library. Uh, it was recorded at a handful of studios, Eldorado Recording in Burbank, London Bridge in Seattle, and one-on-one in Los Angeles. Uh, the running time is a uh, smooth 57:37. It's on Columbia Jesus. Records. And produced by Dave Jordan. And the only thing I'm going to give you with my overall synopsis right now, this might be a perfect record minus one song. There's my tease. Okay, good. Good to know.
1: Continue, please.
2: Um, you know, I I I got a book on on uh, Allison Shane's. It's a uh well, let me just say it. it was. It's written by Dave De, De La it's, it's simply called Allison Chains." So, I, is I,
1: that is that is that a pen name for Martin Popoff?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not the nineteenth Black Sabbath book, but uh, this is kind of where Lane's drug addiction started to become a big problem. Uh, at one point, uh, Dave Jordan actually called them out on it a little bit. It ended up turning into a little bit of a thing. Uh, but the, the, they, they, were able to get back to it where Dave was like, I'm not trying to make this personal. I just want to make a good record. But, uh, basically he came in kind of smacked out and, uh, he wasn't singing very good. So he sent him home. And the next day, uh, from that point on though, once they kind of patched it up, apparently Lane was just killer the, the, the whole way through. Well, it sounds like tensions uh, with Mike Starr started kind of run this time while they were in the studio. Uh, for one thing, uh, he was partying a bit heavy, and it turns out he needed help from the, uh, someone to, to kind of actually learn his bass parts, uh, someone that he trusted, but uh, he, he, he kind of leaned heavily on him. But another thing is that, like, uh, he, he, he was really trying to get a song on the record called Fear the Voices, and it sounds like... Uh, um, uh, Lane was on board but Cantrell was not and Mike Starr has said in in, in time Sense that like basically Jerry wanted him out of the band and Jerry didn't want this song on the record because uh he didn't have anything to do with the writing of it the album the, the song eventually got released on their music box uh music bank box whatever that was called um mm-hmm. and so, yeah. so it's out there if you want to check it out it's called Fear the Voices I think it's actually a pretty solid song there was a record review. You want me to do that now?
1: Please. Yes. Okay.
2: So this this is uh, from Rolling Stone, I assume. This is from actually the Los Angeles Times. Uh, yeah, the Los Angeles Times took this album to task. They said, hear them sneer, hear them moan, hear them try to sound like Nirvana or Mother Love Bone or something, uh, but auto, of, out of, but come out closer to Kansas. I'm going to stop there. I can keep going, but... I mean, come Kansas. on! Seriously, what, what the fuck are you listening to? Uh, that whoever wrote that review went in with like an axe to grind. Uh, it was, it's like it's like asking me to review a Quiet Riot record with an American Idol singer on it. Come on. <laughs>
1: But still, but still, like that person you know didn't even didn't even listen to it. Kansas, that's their stretch. <laughs> Fucking Kansas. Uh,
2: a couple last things for you that I think you're going to enjoy. Uh, Sean Kinney had an alter ego that he gave a name. I would Ooh. like you to guess the name, and seriously, guess the name.
1: Jackson, uh, Jackson Galaxy.
2: Steve. No. Yes, his uh, drunk me? alter ego was Steve. And away we go with this fucking Van Halen party album.
1: a bit of a party album it's talking about bones them bones (laughs) yeah them bones baby bones in ya yeah yeah come on (laughs) it's it's like it's like two and a half minutes it's got a little pep in this stuff a little little fun how can you call this grunge man i'm ready to fucking throw down throw some beers back and it's a lot of fun yeah
2: (laughs) i definitely threw a lot of beers back with this cranked somewhere but uh, yeah come on
1: yeah, this song, this song like Alice in Chains, they both they start off uh, both facelift and this one with a little peppy song. Yeah,
2: yeah. What was the We Die Young is the opener on that, right? But
1: yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it, again, it's almost the same template in a good way. Like it's just sure, it's like a under album.
2: three minutes. Kind of got a. Uh, yep. I think We Die Young is a stronger track, but uh, no no, no issues too. with this one. Nope. I feel so yeah. alone, gonna end up on a big old pile.
1: Of- hey, I think he's talking about everybody ends up dead. Man, all I got to tell you is those guitars are chill- so just... I yeah, mean, the, the guitars the in this record
2: just sound perfect. Do you like the... Uh, ah! you oh,
1: know? I do, of course. Okay. I've, been- I've never been a big yeah.
2: fan of it. I, I just... Uh, it's
1: okay. I don't... I, eh! Eh! <laughs> now you've ruined the song for me. <laughs>
0: Of
2: course, I'm, I'm I'm way off on the math, and I do like the song. I just that that one thing I never
1: really liked that, that a whole lot. So I think that lends itself to things I think we're going to mention throughout this album, and that is when you when you see look at Lane Staley. Okay, okay. Now I could never imagine him having any other job but being a rock star. <laughs> okay, he actually talks
2: about that. Who Lane Staley? Uh, apparently uh he figured like early on that if he became famous uh his dad might want to come back into his life and and it turned out he was right with tragic results uh his dad went from uh being clean to being a junkie with Lane. Wow,
0: are you kidding me?
2: Good god. No, no, that's that's pretty well documented by Lane anyway. Uh yeah, and and it turns and like even Lane like one of his last interviews he said, yeah, and after all that like my dad would just come come visit me only because he wanted to get you know some smack. And uh, he was able to actually get off it, and I wasn't. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm not I, sure. How- it, gets, it gets fucking
1: dark if we start talking about that dude, man. I know. That's why I'm going to go to uh, what Lane Stanley could have been successful at. Besides a rock star, he could have been successful as the guy that takes your vitals and when you're getting a physical that says, open up and say...
0: You know,
2: it, 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 the perfect scenario there, like, he'd actually be behind the doctor.
1: The, the doctor would say, open up, and he'd go, ah! Then the inspiration continues with a story about the struggles of a beaver called Damn That River. <laughs> I fucking love this song.
0: Oh, my
2: God! These? That opening riff might be one of the, like, I mean, oh. my God, if that doesn't fucking get you erect... You know, watching Hulk uh, jerk off to obscure <laughs> videos won't either.
1: I think the Hulk's material is damn this river. What
0: do you think?
2: But there's, there's a couple times where they do something with the the the, the guitar on this, where it, it, the the opening riff is like kind of low, and then as soon as the the singing kicks in, it just shifts up like. It just got a yep. great little groovy underlying, you know, uh, you know, slide up the neck into a different key, man. It, it's it's just killer. Again, just like. Back to back examples of, of where Cantrell is basically at his fucking peak right now. You can tell this guy wasn't spending a whole lot of time shooting uh uh the the, the, the he wasn't chasing the dragon.
0: <laughs> That's what he's no, going for. No.
1: And and yeah, and and also like like this Them Bones Damn That River, yes. At this point, uh are either of these songs really about heroin? No,
2: not really. I mean, uh you, you I mean Them Bones is about dying, so you can kind of relate that to you know uh yeah. the end result because i mean all the heroin songs aren't like i like heroin i'm going to shoot up heroin they're more about the uh the mental state that gets you to it and then the the destructive effect it has on you so, and and yeah. then bones could by theory be tied into that
1: well i mean but but them bones and down that river to me they're just two balls out Rock songs to me, like I don't, I don't feel depressed and uh, grungy or anything like that. So far on this album, I'm feeling pretty good, feeling upbeat, like a you know, Cabo. This is like this, this is like Cabo Wabo to me.
2: (laughs) You know, it's it's probably not like finish what you started, upbeat, but uh, yeah, this is uh, this is okay. Uh, I will say this: if you are a fan of Facelift, you, you you are hooked. Two songs in.
1: you know it says so you couldn't dam that river and it washed me so far away we get into some more liquid with rain when i die i gotta tell you though again this one don't don't feel any needles don't feel a prick don't feel any kind of uh spoon nearby at all
2: well, I mean, let's. But before you before you uh, turn this into the sunshine happy hour, we did talk uh-huh. about them bones, which is a song about you basically ended up uh, under a pile of dirt as just rotted bones.
1: Well, that's that's every that's everybody's man. Yeah,
0: the what song is
2: it? literally like it's going to. Not only are you going to be dead. But it's going to fucking rain that day. Yeah, everything fucking is not peachy at all on this record. These songs, while not directly about uh, the, the drug stuff that we're going to get into, are very much a, a part of setting the, the tone and the tenor of this record. I mean, uh, it, there is just. Uh, I will say this the, Lane Staley had a way of saying the darkest shit in the most beautiful way. And I think this is a good example of it.
1: You know, there. I heard the demo is a six percent chance of showers when I'm deceased. Uh, I think
2: there's a ninety percent chance of rain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, what's the what's the problem? It's just a forecast. It's gonna rain when I die.
2: Maybe a little hay. But no tornadoes. Uh, well, they're from Seattle. There's pretty much a good chance that it's gonna rain whenever you're yeah. doing anything. <laughs>
0: exactly. It
2: rains <laughs> when I shop.
0: <laughs>
2: you know rain. what? That's more upbeat.
1: So track one is Bones. It's actually going in reverse order because the Bones <laughs> is the end. They're found in a river while it's raining. While it's raining, and then all of a sudden you're in the hole. Listen, I think this album should have started with Sick Man because he's starting to get sick. And then he's then he, he, he then he dies and he's down in a hole, right? And and occasionally he plays with his friend, the rooster. <laughs> no, but down in a hole, down in a hole, a beautiful ballad about being dead.
2: Yes. I love down in a hole. I, I Again, we're, we're four for four at this point. Uh, I, I, I have not, like the first time I heard this record, I could not have been happier.
1: Yeah, this is a beautiful, this is a beautiful song. Down in a hole, just everything about it is perfection is perfect. i
2: love the unplugged version of it
1: yes but and we should mention that too unplugged eh, not that bad there's some great versions on there but they also play a nine minute version of frogs
0: <laughs> uh you yeah,
2: yeah i'm sorry but you get more uptight about stuff like that than i do i uh, think we what? have a uh a, a opposite like a bizarro version of that coming up on the record here
1: <laughs> okay fair enough Any any other comments you want to talk about? About Uh, just
2: if you don't like the song, uh, you should probably I don't know just stop listening to music. I would like to actually take a second to remind people there were five singles off this record. This record sold four million copies, and these uh, some of these songs were actually played on radio. the The hard metal radio station that is in every market now didn't really exist back then.
1: No, I mean, I mean, first off, I guess the single, one of the singles, "Wood," was you know on singles beforehand, but then it kind of, I don't know if they re released it. Or how it No, they, cut-
2: they, did, they didn't re-release it. They just added it to the record. But let's not get too crazy on that. But like Th- them bones fine. was actually played. Um, right. uh, uh, shoot, what were well, angry chair I think was the, the last single, if I remember the timing of it right. I'm, I I could be totally wrong, but rooster actually got a lot of lot of airplay. But let's wait till we get to that to talk more on that. Sick man, not my favorite track in the record, uh, but God, it's still a really good fucking song.
1: Yeah, I am not a fan of this song at all. This is the the first one that that uh, is 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 a skipper for me. It's it's very uh, I guess ambitious, but something about it doesn't click. There's a lot of irritation. Like you said, the thing that you don't like that on them bones, he goes ah. Yeah. This is like nine thousand versions of that.
2: <laughs> like, like, I know what, what you're talking about, and I didn't really say I didn't like it. I just it, it was
1: I I'd be okay if it wasn't there. Well, okay. Well then that's that's if you're saying this is a perfect record minus one or whatever. This is. I have more than that, and this one is gone, deleted. So, Man, I know the
2: music on this and those changes that uh, – they almost kind of got that carnival beat going. I and
0: know.
2: And I can't it seems... and, then, and that great fucking two-part harmony that they do is just uh, – uh, I think the part that I just, that I probably agree with you with is, is the main verses like, what the hell have I – but man, yeah. that music underneath it just it just delivers.
1: It's there's parts I like about this, but it just doesn't work. It's it. There's a lot of uh, you know tempo changes that just seem very forced. It just doesn't work for me. That's that's. Yeah,
0: I, I
2: I know what you're getting at there. I it, I I I don't necessarily agree, but I understand why you feel that way. Yeah. Uh, I will say this: uh, if if the first four tracks are like in the uh, all like the good pile, this would be my start of the. Eh, you know. But again, looking at you know what, I'll come back to this. But I'm looking at this as an entire album, A to B. I this is a record I think does need to be listened to in sequence. Well, as Lane said this album is kind of like a, a two part conceptual album. And one is about uh, drug use, and the other is about what leads up to drug use. So I think the first half of the record is about the that. And the second half is more getting into the actual, like, act. Okay, okay. If I'm understanding him right. Look, the guy was a fucking junkie.
1: (laughs) So, uh, next up is Rooster. And for whatever reason, I was not aware of this until doing a little bit of, of, you know, refreshing my memory on this album. But are you aware that Rooster is their biggest song ever? Uh, Not surprised, I guess. I guess I wasn't surprised, but it just... I hadn't
2: thought about it at all. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. So with that said, Rooster has... And I know it's about Cantrell's dad. And I know it's about him coming back from Vietnam. I know all of Uh, this.
2: I think you're wrong there. I think it's about uh, (laughs) Hulk rubbing one out. Snuffing the rooster,
1: maybe <laughs> so that's he' choking the rooster, <laughs> uh you know, until I was told that story about it, I was like, why are they talking about a rooster and and Lane Staley always kind of looked like a rooster to me, like he jesus he he would like always like put his head up a little bit like he was doing the rooster and stuff, and his hair kind of looked like the top of a rooster, um, and I just thought it was kind of like a nickname or something si- silly like nib. Like NIB was was NIB and stuff like that, just like a thing. Uh, But with that said, if you're gonna say this is a, if you're gonna call this is a ballad or whatever it is, or a mid tempo song, "Down in a Hole" no pun intended, buries the song in, in in comparison. It's 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 never worked for me. They end their concerts with it all the time, which is a weird. They did that at Northern Invasion too, and it's like, hey. Let's bring this down to a halt and then say goodbye to you and walk off the stage. Um, that's my opinion of the song. It's okay. It's never done anything for me. Your thoughts? Uh, ditto. Really? I thought this, you were going to tell me this is your favorite song on the album or something.
2: No, uh, I, I've never. I, I kind of get why. You know, it's like one of those songs. Like We were just talking a little bit about that Uh you know, with that, that whole thing with Godsmack in the last episode. I get why this connected with people, and I get why this was the song. It's, it's kind of easy to digest if you're not really into Alice in Chains. Um, oh,
0: yeah!
2: And, and there's some parts I really like about it, but I, I sure. never really cared for the um, um, the clean electric guitar doing so much of the work by itself in the early on. Um, But I I really, at the same time, I do think it's a good song. I I really enjoy the harmony and the... watched the music video for this today too and i forgot how fucking graphic and kind of uh disturbing it was i mean you see a guy's leg blown off and he's sitting there freaking out staring at his like stump and it's bleeding and shit. i mean I'm, i i i'm surprised this didn't traumatize me <laughs> and you're right uh this is this is kiss p- playing beth as an encore uh th- th- this is makes no sense to me at all like, no. throw it in the middle of your yes. fucking show. Now, in, in general, I, I actually have issues with Alice in Chains now, live. I just... As do I. I. They perform and sound good, but they're set I've never cared for, and they just it, they bore the fucking shit out of me. And they're one of my favorite bands, and it, it, it pains me to say that because... Uh, they meant so much to me at a time in my life that was very important. And, and to see them still out there doing this and to actually, you know, I'm, I approve of it. I'm, I'm not like anti that. I just wish that I liked it and I don't. I'd want to go home and listen to the, the, the records I like. I just think, for whatever reason, they just stop their songs. They kind of look at each other.
1: That's what I'm just saying to you. That was supposed to say. Actually, that's my only issue with it. Is they act like this? They're they're in rehearsal.
2: Well, they definitely
1: act like they've never
2: put a set list together. It's like, the same this, set list. This is a great opening song. This is a great closing song. We kind of want to uh, arc and, and flow it in between. No, right. they just like, they basically, they're assembling the worst sequenced Greatest Hits album.
1: Their set list, uh, their pacing sucks. They don't know how to sequence. <laughs>
2: yes? Here we go, yeah.
1: Was Junkhead Was Junkhead uh, Archie's nemesis?
2: <laughs> yeah. Was it, Jughead? What it? What you, Jughead? You know damn well it was Jughead. Probably it's definitely one of my top five Allison in Chains songs of all time, uh, which puts it. This is one of the three that I was saying as contention for the best song in the record. I, I absolutely adore this song. Uh, I mean, it, it is so fucking killer, and it, it's so believable too. This is where the 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 kind of the that that kind of really seedy drug message starts coming in, you know. You know, what's my drug of choice? And the way those two harmonize that is just almost the perfect example. Like if someone asked you what is Alice in Chains, you should play them the chorus to Junkhead. It it, it sums everything up from the guitar tone to the tempo to the way those two harmonize together. It, it is just a... Beautiful example of darkness, and and and, and I I love it. Uh, I I can't say enough good things. Also, remember earlier I was talking about like that kind of like that low boom boom. But when they kick into the chorus, and, and actually if, if you could at some point just take it from the end of the uh, second verse into the the second chorus, where he's just like yeah. It is fucking uh, one of the most spine-chilling moments in rock for me.
1: Uh, Baco, I I I just wanted to tell you something real quick, okay? What's that? Um, Just so you know, I want to taste dirty, a stinging pistol in my mouth, on my tongue, and by the way, I want you to scrape me from the walls and go crazy like you've made me. Those lyrics, the first time I heard them, were terrifying to me. Yeah. Like the way that he sings them. And the way that you believe them and just basically yep. saying, I'm, I'm going to put this gun in my mouth. I'm going to blow my brains all over the, the, the wall. And I'm going to make you go insane from finding me like this. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. And I, that was, this was the first song where, where, on the album. The first time I heard it, I still can recall it just being like, this is possibly the most darkest, the, the, the darkest song I've ever
0: heard.
2: Yeah, I, I I don't know that I ever had that kind of immediate reaction to things like that. I will say this: you you kind of hear it, and, and, and in the back of your head, you're kind of hoping this is like, you know, kind of. Uh,
1: you hope that's like Alice Cooper,
2: and it's just like. But
1: Well, say, not not to yeah, that I, extent. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're, like, you're like,
2: touching on okay. real. Alice Cooper's more vaudeville. Uh, That's what I, I mean. That's it's what I to, mean. I, I'm saying for me, I want this to be kind of a touching on a, an elaboration of a real feeling, not literal <laughs> retelling of what you're going through. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> this is like the ballad of John and Yoko, but it's the ballad of Lane and heroin.
1: Yeah, I want you to kill me and dig me under. I want to live no more. Yeah. The thing about it is, is two things: is one, the lyrics are so extreme. The second thing is, you can hear them completely clear. <laughs> in, well, in, like, like, there's no mistaking what you're listening to. Like sometimes you listen to stuff and you undercover it later.
2: I say this with hindsight and the fact that I've I've read and heard things over the years, sure. uh, Not not referencing like when this record came out is all I mean there. Uh, but Lane was. By my experience in in, in in just reading interviews and stuff over the years, one of the most self aware uh, junkies that I, that I can think of. Okay, um, I mean he is he he has talked many times about how like drugs worked for him and then stopped working for him, but at that point it was too late. And he he actually tried to clean up quite a bit, and it and it was just it was something that he fought very hard. And it and it actually is. It's very painful sometimes to to know that stuff and then go back and listen to these kind of lyrics, and, and because it it's clear that I mean as far back as 1992, you know, he died ten years later. That the it had taken its grip on him. And at yeah. the time, you're listening to this record, and they're they're also selling it as such at the time, like yeah, you know, we, we you know we kind of cleaned up. Stop asking us about drugs. When in reality, it was kind of miraculous that they made such a masterpiece with Lane in the state that he was.
1: even know if i was if i knew all that then i just i i it. definitely
2: didn't no i yeah, yeah i assumed it was more an embellishment of of, of issues you know
1: yeah so i uh, actually
2: got caught up in just how kick-ass some of these songs sounded right. you know what i mean it's just like like we were just talking about junkhead you know i wasn't really focused on the what's my drug of choice what do you got no. i was just like i was just like yeah What's my jug of ch- I mean, I was like getting those hairs on my arms, just jamming the music. And, uh, so yeah, it just, uh, it, it's clear looking back. No, I mean, it, how I mean, bad I, it was even then. And to, th- to
1: see how it ended, like it's, 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 it's truly, you know, uh, sad is all I'm getting at. No, I know. I'm, I'm looking at this too. And, um, junkhead is the only one that's, uh, most of these are Cantrell, Cantrell, Staley. This one's actually Cantrell, Staley, and Huey Lewis. Oh yeah! <laughs> wow, wow! <laughs> I want a new drug. What's my drug of choice? Come on! And to follow along with that Huey Lewis inspiration, the track after Dirt is "Hip to Be Square." <laughs> <gasps> Working title for God Smack. You go. Yeah, yeah. How about how, how about
2: uh, uh, we, it's, we 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 reboot Dirt? And uh, uh, we say, uh in, in modern day, it's it's hip to buy heroin on Foursquare.
0: <laughs>
2: you fit that
1: in a chorus.
0: I used to be a renegade. I used to fool around. But I couldn't tell. Take-
2: brings us to the next song, which is the only reason Godsmack is not called Sully in the stepstools and that's the song Godsmack.
1: <laughs> a shame, if you ask me. I really wish I just
2: stools. saw a show with Sully in the stepstools Stools. <laughs> <laughs> no, true story. I mean, they've owned it, right? They named themselves after this
1: song. In prepping for this. I guess I just never really noticed that it is basically, even though it was a CD era, it was like we have the side one and we have the heroin side. side yeah, two. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it, it just goes straight into it. Like the first ones are, are just like hints, but I mean, we, we're what right, three songs in a row? Three, four songs yeah. in a row? Of just pure addiction. So for the horse, yeah, right there, for the horse you've grown much fonder, right there is just right there, Heroin. Well, the, the, his uh, if you listen
2: to the, in the verses there, it, it sounds like there's an effect on his voice. But according to the engineer on the record, that's just Lane, and he has no idea how he did it. Okay, interesting. Like, yeah, I mean, again, like as individual tracks, some of these like stick out more than others. But now we're kind of getting towards the end of the record, and I feel comfortable saying the reason I call this almost a perfect record because if you listen to it in sequence, it almost tells a story without diving or without, you know, becoming a concept record, which I really think is an impressive feat. But, at the same time, these songs seem to follow a pattern that makes sense. Like these guys went into a studio and wrote a record, and they, they and they spent time making sure the right song went after the right song.
1: My God, we're getting kind of serious for the Cobras and Fire show. So how about we kind of lighten it up a little bit and uh, talk about, you know, what other jobs like we kind of hinted at earlier that Lane Staley could have done besides Ooh, nice. being a rock star? Yeah, yeah, I'm, in, I'm in, man. Okay, cool. Um, can I can I begin? Yeah, go for it. What's your first one? Well, I think that he would have been um, an excellent Walmart greeter. Um, <laughs> so you go in there, the door is open, they slide open, and he just goes, "I Seven is where you can find that. <laughs> Your thoughts? Yes, no? Uh, yeah, that's that's. that's he would that. definitely, he'd definitely he definitely bring up the mood. I mean, I mean, those, he's
2: probably the... not old enough to be a Walmart greeter in 1992. He'd probably lose it because of ageism, <laughs> not because of a crippling heroin addiction. <laughs> Walmart's all fine with that.
1: Yeah, but he'd be singing that. But also, he's dead behind the eyes, so he's perfect for the job. Yes. What about you? Any... Well, I think he'd
2: uh, do great as an overnight clerk at a 24-hour porn retailer. So? You just sit there at the counter and just—I mean, there's not a whole lot of work to do. You just, oh, got the just, saying, just coming in. in, in general, like, just a guy
1: that has no ambition that, that <laughs> works <laughs> works at a porn star.
2: He works. Oh, yeah, he like sells like old playboys and uh, makes change for the porn booths. And gizmopper yes. I, I, I mean, if you know, if he's so, in, he doesn't seem inclined. that ambitious, though. I That's mean, just jiz, seems more like someone who's got ambition, baby.
1: That is something you work up to.
2: I yes. think. Yeah. So, no, right? right now he's just sitting behind the counter smoking cigarettes or reading a magazine. Maybe that's uh, a side
1: hustle, Jizzmopper. Just get a little extra, extra, extra income. I think Lane could have a great career as an uninspirational speaker. <laughs> Your thoughts? Does that pay well? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm not sure. That seems like a pretty easy gig to get.
1: Just get up there and talk about shit you don't like for for 30 minutes to an audience of of people that go home sad. What what else? What are some other jobs he could do?
2: I think he'd be great at his uh, medical supply sales, uh, specializing in needles and syringes.
1: (laughs) He would not be a very successful drug dealer. I can tell you that much. He's like, he's like, he's like Smokey and Friday. Um, I don't know. He, he he was the inspiration, I think, from the Pixar movie Bugs.
2: <laughs> uh, I can only imagine. I've never seen it. Okay, well, for those
1: that enjoy cartoons about bugs, you'll get that joke. I thought he'd be great as a CEO for Trump Industries. <laughs> <laughs> well, just he's, just, I don't even get that. And it's still funny.
2: Oh, it's the big title that pretty much anybody can do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anybody just saying can you can put like a fucking beanbag chair and it could be CEO of Trump Industries.
1: What about I don't know why I just visualized this, but I think he would be great as a medieval times waiter. Oh man, what <laughs> Yeah, I like
2: that one actually. Yeah, just, just okay. Come up, just come yeah, up the to problem is he's gonna fuck your order up, and probably won't even, <laughs> he probably won't, but he probably won't even remember to bring your food back because he'll be out by the dumpster, fucking you know, getting high. I I have one. I have one left. I think he can be a DJ at Tommy Lee's wedding. <laughs> what about him as a strip bar DJ? What do we do? Like he would be like, hey fellas, <laughs> just just here's candy. That's how he would do it. Uh.
1: Okay, so uh, let's move on to the masterpiece of the album, and that is 43 seconds of genius called Iron Gland.
2: Well, i I'm, I'm guessing because I know you that uh,
1: you hate this and think this is a waste of time. no man. I dug this because it was just kind of a nod to their you know their influences. so that's it. yeah no i I
2: like it in the sense of what, what I was uh, just saying a minute ago that w- when you sequence this record, this is kind of cool the w- where they put it and it's you know like a little little break and all of a sudden you get into the next track
1: but but also in, in a way, it's kind of like our whole. Thing we just did with with his uh, his jobs, you know. Yeah, with okay. Lane, it's a little bit of a, a joke. Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, in, in, they're having in, a little in fun middle of, in the middle of a bunch of darkness. This says, okay, Jesus. This might be getting a little dark. Let's let's get the guy from Slayer in here to scream for forty three seconds and go on to the next track. Anyway, so uh, hate to feel.
2: Uh, uh, I believe this has got to be on on your list of uh, great songs. Gone.
1: Yep, this is a this is a love track album for me, and that includes Iron Gland. So mm, Gone okay. with Sick Man, Gone with Hate to Feel.
2: Continue, okay. please. I still haven't removed my track yet. Have you paid it? Yeah, I think that's it. That?
1: That's gotta be it. Nope. Right, it's five minutes and fifteen seconds of eh. Not that bad. Is that what you're saying? Basically, yeah. And we are into what I find the most amusing title of the album, and that is Angry Chair, which I believe I'm sitting in right now talking about this song. You don't like Angry Chair? Oh, I'm just saying. I'm sitting in an angry chair. It's right next to my jerk chair. Oh. I mean, just just to so understand it, there's a thing of tissues in between both of them one of them is used <laughs> one of them is used for crying when I'm in an angry chair and the other is used for other purposes when I'm in the jerk chair it's, it's multi-purpose so everybody uh, needs an angry chair and a jerk chair happy and sad uh, w- what is an angry chair you tell me well I'm sitting in an angry
2: chair uh, why uh, well angry walls steal the air I mean my stomach hurts and I don't care okay. what do I see across the way a bear. Why. See myself molded in clay.
1: Okay. What, what Stares is-
2: at me and, yeah, I'm afraid. Okay. Changing and- the shape of my face. That's the,
1: That's a the goddamn angry chair, you idiot. I, I guess so. That sounds like a single. I would release that. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to really just, oh, God. just jet up the charts. Shadows dancing in, everywhere. Little boy made a mistake. A pink cloud has now turned to gray. I'm
2: going to tell you right now, the perfect album just ended because this is the perfect ending song for this record this is where they should have stopped it was a 12 song six songs each side and angry chair is a great closeout out uh song it's it's a it's a really cool tune um but what a what a way to end a record
1: I'm guessing this has to do with your all of your anger and all of your sitting apparatuses over the course of your life, where you just don't like it when they add a song that was already released a year earlier. Because that's your issue with that's your issue with civil war. That's going to be your argument for Wood, or just that you don't like that song to begin with.
2: I love the song. It's a, it's an amazing track. It was already. It wasn't just that. It, It wasn't just that it was released already. It even isn't just that it was released as a single already. It was a hit already. And it is the only song on this record not produced and recorded with every other song on a perfect record. This song was recorded at a different time in a different studio with a different producer and a different engineer. And they just said... Well, let's throw it on here. That way people who didn't buy the soundtrack will have it too, which I get. But that is the only reason it is on here. And that is not a good enough reason for me to say it belongs on a record.
1: Well, I do agree the fact that it feels tacked on. Um, but it's one of those things. Like, what else are you going to do with it? Is it only going to exist on singles? Yep. The single soundtrack forever? Yeah, I mean, they they have other
2: songs on movie soundtracks that that, that's the only place they exist. That happens all the time. I don't understand why you make this goddamn masterpiece and then you say, you know what, people like this song too.
1: Let's throw that on there too. Man, I'm going to say that it has to do something with a profit deal. Yeah, it might have been a record label decision. Who knows? Who knows? Let's just talk about the song itself. I've been told that it's about Andrew Wood. I find that to be bullshit. I just think it's that they, they, they
2: Why? I mean, it happened. It came out right after he died, and yeah. they said it pretty much the moment that they released it that it was about that.
1: Well, I don't see any lyrics about him. It doesn't say uh, – it doesn't talk anything about the guy named Andrew.
2: Yeah, but you struggle with stuff like this. It has to be so literal, otherwise you don't think it's there. You know what I mean? It, it, it,
1: it, well, the wood,
2: they kind of use the word "wood" in a in a almost a pun, ironic sense.
1: Know me, broken by my master. Teach thee, on child of love, hereafter. There's nothing that if you read this, there's no way you could even get. There's nothing here about Andrew Wood. That's just something I think a hype. They threw it out there. Here it is. It's about a guy. It's got the same. Last
2: Can't name. something be inspired by a, a thing or an event without being directly about it? Nope. Lose cannon. Oh my lord. Ugh. It's time to go home.
1: It is. It is. That's, that's, this is enough dirt. What do you say?
2: Definitely enough dirt. Uh, how about this? Rock's not dead.
1: But there's a 60% chance of rain when it does.
2: you like Huey Lewis on the News?
0: They're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor.
2: Is that a raincoat?
0: Yes, it is. In 87, Huey released this for their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip To Be Square, a song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics. But they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of friends, it's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! Ah!